with me. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Would you just bow and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful um, for the chance to meet here together this morning and to worship together, Lord, um, and just be in a place where we can learn together about you. I thank you for Brian and for just all that he does as a pastor here and uh, the time that he puts in, Lord. And I just um, pray that you would use his words to speak to our hearts today. And I pray a blessing over each and every person here. And um, God, I just pray that you would watch over us um, as we go out. And Lord, just I pray that what we learn and um, what you what you show us today, Lord, would be something that we would con- continue to ponder um, as the week goes on. And uh, Lord, just show us how to live it out and to live for you and for your glory. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bible, I invite you to, to uh, open it to the book of James. We are uh, finishing up the book of James next Sunday. And James teaches us about how our life is different as a Christian and what it means to live a lifestyle that emulates the life of Christ. And the theme we've identified is that wisdom lived out in faith. And so we've been learning this summer different aspects of the Christian life, not the, not the dramatic, not the high points, not the really exciting new things that happen, but thinking through the Christian life and, and the routine of life and how we follow Christ um, during the regular schedule of our lives. This morning, we will be talking about patience. And we will look at how patience will change our relationship towards one another and how it will change our relationship with God if we understand it correctly. Uh, I'll, I'll be completely transparent with you. When I began uh, reading this week, this passage, it really wasn't that exciting. And it just really quickly became evident to me of, that I am maybe one of the most impatient people that I know. Um, it's our culture. Some of you are like me, and maybe even worse, that if there's an escalator, you walk quickly up the escalator as it's carrying you along. If, the, if you run into a stoplight internally, you're like, Err. if you see a green light, and if you live in the neighborhood where I live, it's a really long, long red light. You like accelerate quickly and risk hurting little children and pets so you don't have to, <laughs> to wait at that, green, uh, that red light. <clears throat> There's something, though, internally within us that wants things immediately. I came across an article. Let me just show, <clears throat> share with you a few things from it. 
titled, Instant Gratification is Making Us Perpetually Impatient. This was um, from about nine months ago, I think. This one gentleman named Zach was at a meeting spot using an iPhone app that I'm not even sure. I looked it up and it went to something I didn't want to look at at all to find potential dates at that particular moment in his particular area. Immediately connecting and hooking up with people. One 26-year-old said, occasionally I yell at my laptop because it's not fast enough. I'm not proud of it, but that's what I do. The demand for instant results is seeping into every corner of our lives. Retailers are jumping at same-day deliveries. Retailers smelling profit at our impatient recently began the battle for same-day delivery. We want it, and we want it now. A couple other thoughts here from, from uh, this is interesting, Daryl Worthy, assistant professor of psychology at Texas A&M, said this, as a culture we are becoming more focused on quick fun. That that's who we have become as a culture. He reminded his students that a lot of things that are really valuable take time. He gives an example. According to the U.S. Treasury, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce and Economic Analysis, found that Americans' personal saving rates of disposable income averaged 3.6% in 1982, almost 10%. That if we have extra money, we won't, don't want to put it away and save it for the future. We want to spend it now. And how we are not wired for the long term anymore. Some of these things, like internet speed, Netflix, movie watching interruptions, are superficial and shallow. But they point to something deeper within all of us. That when we look at the life of Jesus and we think carefully about what it really means to follow Jesus we will see a different example that shows up. And so this morning, we'll spend a few minutes looking together at God's Word, and we'll begin with this. How does patience change our relationship towards one another? Number one. And then number two, how does patience change our relationship with God? So number one, patience changes our relationship towards one another because it will give you the power to not retaliate when people hurt you. When somebody steps in line in front of you at the grocery store, we, listen, if you've lived here for any length of time, you know the torture that happens at our local grocery store from (laughs) five to eight. You just don't even want to go because there will be long lines and there will be two people working and this internal thing just begins to erupt within all of us and so you, you quickly learn and strategize the right times to go to the grocery store. We don't want to wait in line. When someone irritates us, we want to retaliate. When someone frustrates you, we want to get back. When someone ignores you, 
that's deeply insulting to you, when someone is unkind to you, we want to hurt them back. It's a really interesting word. Paul, excuse me, James uses chapter 5, verse 7. He says, be patient. The word has two parts to it. The first part, macro, we uh, understand that word to mean big. The Greeks would understand it to mean long and or big. The second part of the word, thumos, means anger. And if we think about it for just a moment, you can begin to understand what the word patient means. It means a long time to get angry. Be the type of people that takes a long time to get angry. It means you're the kind of person, if you're a patient person, you take a long time before you lash out at somebody that has offended you. It means you're willing to endure mistreatment before you open your mouth. James says at the very beginning of the book that life is filled with struggles and, and challenges and pain. The Bible is very clear that it never promises an easy life to follow Christ. But during these times of struggle, during these times of mistreatment, James reminds us to be patient it means to delay your gratification. There's that part within in all of us that we want to get back at people who hurt us. Roommates, boyfriends, girlfriends, fiancés, spouses, children, parents, family, friends. Patience will change our community. It will change, it will change PCH. It will change Pepperdine. It will change Malibu, the community that we live in. It will change the surf line of where we all play. If we're slow, slow to get angry, all of us have certain temperaments and personalities. Some of us are by nature more patient than others. But what we have to remember is whether you're by personality, a, a patient person, if the situation's right, if it keeps going, patient runs out. I had a situation um, just a few days ago in, in the ocean, and I was talking to a friend about this. How many times does it take for a person like to drop in on you or to cut you off before the patience begins to go away? How do we want to handle this? How many times um, before someone cuts you off or does something that bothers you or mistreats you that isn't just in your own mind before you need to stand up and demand your rights? Verse 9 provides some insight. Verse 9 says this, Do not grumble against one another's brother. We retaliate with our words. We retaliate by complaining by insults, complaining, grumbling implies judgment. It implies self-righteousness. James says, my dear brothers, if you are a follower of Christ, be patient people. One of the key characteristics of Christ, and we'll talk more about this, was people insulted him, mistreated him. If there was anybody that was not treated fairly. It was Jesus Christ. 
And he provides us as an example as what we are to look like. There are parts of the Christian life, there are parts of following Jesus that we like. And depending on your personality, we all like certain things about the Christian life. One of the most challenging things, though, is to live out this aspect of being a follower of Jesus. We have within us this thing we call pride, self-righteousness, a sense of justice. And if somebody offends that sense of justice or hurts our pride, we want to lash out. Often it's with our words, but often it's also with an attitude. Things like this. I'm out of here. I'm done with this relationship. You've offended me for the last time. I'm moving on to something new. I'm getting a new roommate, a new job. Hopefully not a new spouse. James says, Do not grumble. My brothers, be patient. Be patient. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He has another really, adds another really interesting insight to this. To be patient doesn't mean that we are indifferent. We can use that as an excuse for laziness, for not sustaining healthy friendships, by just walking away and think we're being patient but we're actually just rejecting the person. Look ahead at um, verse 11 for just a moment. There's something really <clears throat> interesting here. Actually, excuse me. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 10. I'm sorry. Verse 10 says this. As an example, brothers, so here's an example of suffering and patience. The word is used many times in the passage here. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, <clears throat> the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord <clears throat> so James wants us to look for just a moment at the life of the prophets. He doesn't say specifically what prophets, but he's referring to the Old Testament prophets. And if you look at them, there's some really interesting, significant things. Patience does not mean indifference. It does not mean we don't pursue justice. Let me give you an example. This is, this is interesting. This is from Amos chapter 5. And Amos, Old Testament prophet, is an example of suffering, is an example of someone who was mistreated, did not lash out and retaliate, but chose his words wisely on how to handle the problem. Because there were real problems during uh, the life of Amos. And his priority was this, that he was more concerned, or that God is more concerned about justice and compassion for the poor than religious ceremonies. And here was his warning. All right, so he, he is an example of a patient man, but listen to his warnings. I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings <clears throat> of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the nose excuse me, the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and the righteous like an ever-flowing stream. James is not saying that patient people 
ignore injustice. Patient people deal with injustice slowly, wisely, carefully, thoughtfully with the word of God. Amos is saying here that this idea of gathering together, of assembling and singing really cool worship songs while ignoring people who cannot help themselves is a travesty. It's an injustice. And And he condemns it. That is the condemnation. So James offers a really unique and interesting alternative. One, towards lashing out and getting back at people, saying things we regret, being reactionary, being emotionally driven when someone bothers us or insults us. But he also avoids the other stream of just walking away and saying, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. He handles the problem thoughtfully, carefully, wisely with the word of God. It's truly, I honestly believe this, it is truly revolutionary in how we relate to people and creating a culture here at church how we treat each other, that there is a long patience, that we are slow to react, that we are slow to respond to how people mistreat us if people are mistreating us. But it doesn't mean we ignore it. It, reme- it means that we respond thoughtfully and carefully. That's how patience will change our relationship to one another. Let's look now at how patience changes our relationship to God. Look at verse 11. This is where another word, some of your translations might even have the word patience. Some of your translations might have another word. Mine says this, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. It's a different word in Greek, and it is the idea of endurance. It means perseverance. It means you are willing to endure hardship. Patience changes our relationship with God when we have a persevering trust. When we have a persevering trust instead of grasping at an illusion of what our lives should look like. Patience changes our relationship with God when we persevere in trusting His plan instead of grasping the illusion of what our lives should look like. Sometimes we have this illusion. I was thinking about just um, my college years, and maybe like we could probably say that one of the most fun years of our lives is your freshman year in college. You're away from home for the first time, and there's all these new people, and it's just fun and exciting. And we have this little illusion that that's how life will be like for the rest of your life. Just fun. Cutting class all the time and playing in the ocean. Not telling mom and dad you're spending all their money on really fun things and not going to class. And it's just fun. Super fun, fun. Everything is awesome. And then you graduate. Single, unemployed, living on somebody's couch. James says this. James says, look at the example of Job. Job is a man who who lost everything that he loved. His children were taken away from him. His wife went crazy on him. He lost his health. He lost all of his 
wealth, everything was taken away from him. And yet, the Bible holds him up as an example of one who perseveres under extreme pain, of extreme hurt. So often we have an illusion, we have this dream, we have this hope that life is going to go smoothly, that college will be fun, that you're going to meet someone at the beginning of your senior year and date during your senior year and then get married and have a great job. Both of you have great jobs. Then three or four years down the road, you have your family and everyone's born healthy and perfect, you think. Or maybe both of you have been dreaming for years about starting a family and then you realize you can't. Or one of you die prematurely. You die early. Life is unpredictable. Life is fragile. Life is often filled with challenges. Life is often filled with pain and hurt and isolation and loneliness and bitterness. And the mark of a Christian during the most arduous times of life is that they will persevere. They will be steadfast. I have this great childhood memory of, um, I grew up in Washington, and taking the, there's a ferry boat that goes from Port Angeles, Washington, to Victoria, Canada. And I'll, I'll never forget, I don't know, I was probably 11, 12 years old, and out in the middle of the Straits of Juan de Fuca, a storm picked up, and I remember walking outside, and it was one of those winds where you could actually do like, do like a leaning thing into. And if you wanted to walk, you had to grab the railing and like pull yourself. You literally could not just stand. You would have to like brace yourself. It's, that's the, the point of this word steadfast. That life will want to blow you over sometimes. Don't believe the illusion that your freshman year is just fun all the time, Right? You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, a man who was beaten down. During these times when life beats you down, we have two options. First, you can trust yourself or you can trust God. When we trust ourselves, and I will say this, it it is your natural DNA. It is who you are. It is who all of us are to trust ourselves to our own understanding during these times. We don't want to trust God's timing. We don't want to trust God's schedule. And we very, very carefully have to understand that all of us, that our hearts are naturally biased towards ourself, that we think we know, we think we understand, and God doesn't. The problem with your own understanding is that it leads to things like self-pity. Life isn't fair. I deserve better than this. It can lead to self-righteousness. Impatience at its core is truly a lack of humility. 
That's why James is so clear in chapter 4 when he says this. But he gives more grace. Grace upon grace. To the humble. Not to people who say, I know the solution to this. I'm going to solve this problem. I can handle this. James is saying that there is a way, that there is a way to live our lives, that there is a confidence we can have in how, in how we live our lives, and that is trusting in God's timing, trusting in God's schedule. When you lack the humility to say that there might be something that God is doing in my life to teach me during this hard time, that he actually wants to to shape me and grow me, that he actually has his highest good for me, if we can't grasp that, here's what it leads to. It leads to anxiety. It leads to stress. It leads to health issues. It leads to a breakdown of who you are beginning on the inside. And it's only a matter of time before you've experienced this in life. Because we so, by our nature, want to grab a hold of situations and control them ourselves instead of saying, as we sang this morning, thy will be done. James is encouraging us to be steadfast. That's why he uses the word blessed. Behold, we consider those blessed. That there is a blessing. James talks about this at the beginning of the book. That there is a blessing, a reward for people who persevere during life's biggest challenges. Last part of of how patience will change our relationship with God. Patience will change our relationship with God because it helps us understand the solution to our problems. James says this. The last part, he says this, he repeats himself actually. Verse 8, I'll start there. It says, you also be patient. Establish in your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he says at the end of verse 9, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We will not fully understand the problem of evil, the problem of injustice, the problem of why people mistreat each other. But the solution to this problem is an eternal long-term perspective. When James says this, that Jesus is the judge. While we're going through tremendous struggle and, and people being treated horribly in the world right now, We know if we just have any sense of what's going on in the world that people are treated horribly, that there is horrible injustice going on. And the only solution, the the long-term solution to understanding this that gives us the patience to endure is that Jesus is the judge. He is the perfect judge. He knows all things. James says he's standing at the door and he will judge the world one day. Patience patience is truly revolutionary. It's one of those things like we want to grasp. We, We want it. We've all been around people. If we... 
this is an insult. If I were to say to somebody, man, that person is so impatient. We just don't want to, we don't want to be around that person because we're afraid they're going to snap at us or lash out at us or criticize us or critique us or pick out our flaws. Patience will change your parenting skills. It will change who you are as a spouse. It will change who you are as a roommate. It will change who we are as a church community. It will change your relationship with God when you understand that His plan, His timing, His schedule is perfect. And the ability to say, Thy will be done will result in blessedness, will result in a life that is blessed. Let's finish up with this. How do we get this? Or how do we acquire this? Number one, we acquire patience patiently. We get it slowly. We want things so bad, so fast. I can tell you right now, in being 43 years old, that spiritual growth happens slowly. Things don't happen fast. We want them to. If you want to grow spiritually, understand that it happens. The best things in life, almost always, not always, happen slowly over time. I always think about, I, <clears throat> I've said this before, but I, I love trees. I'm a little bit of a wood nut. And I love big trees. The beauty of God's creation in a forest and seeing a huge tree that's been there for a couple thousand years takes time. It's beauty over time. Your marriage. I, play, I pray this is the truth for you, that over time you see the blessing and the beauty of your spouse. As time goes on, you see and you learn more and more and more about your spouse and you see them as more and more beautiful. <clears throat> we acquire patience when we, when we look at the life of Christ, when we look at who God is. <clears throat> there are examples. Out, if you just do a, a search on <clears throat> um, God being merciful, the Lord is merciful, the Bible will over and over and over and over again. I just picked one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. It is the character of God. It is the character of Jesus Christ that he is merciful. Listen, we all, we all want friends who are merciful, who are gracious, who are tolerant, who are patient, slow to get angry. One of the most challenging things, all of you men out there, young men, being a father is being slow to get angry, of being patient when children make the same mistake over and over and over again. And when it all reality, you're probably teaching them incorrectly or poorly to begin with. Slow to get angry. That's who God is. Abounding in steadfast love. How do we get this? 
you have to be willing to reflect a little bit. You have to be willing to look at your own life a little bit and understand who you are. Sometimes, you know, people will say things, I don't want to go there. Well, listen, if you ever want to grow in your life, you have to be willing to go to that place sometimes. This is true for all of us. There are times in our lives when we are all impatient. We lash out at people. We've all said mean things. We've all said hurtful things. We've all said wicked, horrible things. Things that are embarrassing, if anyone else heard. But God is merciful, gracious, slow to be angry, abounding in steadfast love. As we understand who we are, and yet still understand that God gives us his mercy and love, we will then begin to extend that to other people. It's really is, is the heart of the gospel when you understand that God is a God of justice and something has to be dealt with. So, some way our sin must be dealt with. And God dealt with it not by giving us justice, but by giving us grace. And he put justice on Jesus by hanging Jesus on the cross, by having him punched in the face and spit upon and having a crown of thorns pushed deep into his skull and having him beaten with a whip and having nails driven through his hands so that the justice of God is not poured out upon us but upon Jesus, so that we can live. His patience is extended towards us because of his great love for us. It comes down to an issue of understanding how much God loves you and how patient and tolerant he is towards us and then being able to extend that towards other people. It is not a self-will issue. You cannot just say, I'm going to be patient today. Right? I guarantee you, the first person that offends you, you're going to be mad inside, and you might have the self-will to withhold it. The second time, most of you know, maybe three or four of you here are patient enough by personality to handle a few more insults. But all of us, it's a matter of time if you think this is about just making a choice of the will. Our hearts must see what God has done for us through Jesus, and then we will begin to be patient people. Let's pray. Father, I pray for an awakening within our church that we would see the beauty of a long endurance, of being slow to get angry, of being gentle people, of being gracious people, of being people who are slow to speak when we're offended. Father, I pray that we would be people marked by endurance, that even if life is brutally painful right now, that there would be a steadfast trust, that we would see and trust your goodness. Even though we don't feel it, even though life might feel upside down, I pray, Father, for anybody here this morning that's, that's struggling right now, that they would be able to see the beauty of thy will be done. I pray for steadfastness. I pray for long-suffering, for endurance. Thank you so much for the gospel, for loving us despite our flaws. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.